The following podcast is a Millionaires Multimedia production. Hi, I'm MJ LaBelle, and I am a million dollar diva. I'm a former beauty queen and now business queen. On this show, I'm bringing real talk, real stories on all things business, money, and power. Buckle up as we navigate the bumpy roads to being a woman entrepreneur in a man's world. We'll talk about the hustle, the losses, the wins, and everything in between. Million Dollar Diva is not just for millionaires. In fact, it is for all women looking for financial freedom. Diva, isn't it time to be in the driver's seat of our lives? Is it possible to build a million dollar empire without sacrificing our soul or sanity? Let's find out. Hey, gorgeous diva. Welcome to the premiere episode of Million Dollar Diva. Today, I will lift the curtains so you can get a glimpse of my story and why I decided to build a million dollar empire and vowed to never be poor again. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? With my very first brush with business. The taste for making money was instilled in me at a very young age. My father was an entrepreneur at heart, always searching for his next big business. One venture that I remember vividly was that of a fruits and vegetables wholesale business. It would buy fresh fruits and vegetables at cost price and resell them for a profit. He had bought a truck and was selling from the back of it. One day, he asked me if I wanted to go with him to the market. I thought to myself, wow, this is great. And off we went. After picking up his cargo, he asked if I wanted to help sell the goods and I said, yes, Papa. I was so excited. I remember the feeling when the ladies came ready to buy and saw me for the very first time. They were in awe that a father would take his daughter to work with him like that. Normally, you would see a father and son, but a father and daughter, now that was different. But to us, it was a normal affair. He would take me everywhere, even when he was playing cards with the boys. The sales were going great that morning, and at one point my dad said he had some errands to do, and asked if I would continue selling by myself. I said, yes, Papa. I encountered two problems that day. First problem, the clientele was all Italian ladies, and I spoke no Italian. Although my father taught me two words, pomodori and cinque. He said, remember those two words, Jojo, which meant selling the tomatoes for $5. Jojo is my nickname, as you may have guessed. The second problem, those ladies loved to negotiate. They loved the bargain. Well, to me, that did not seem like a problem at all. But even though I didn't understand a word they were saying, I kept on selling. I managed to sell out the entire inventory. But here's the kicker. The load was worth $700 and I had collected only $300. Nevertheless, Dad was happy with me. You see, some of the tomato bushels had a lot of not-so-fresh tomatoes, and my dad would rearrange them by putting the rotten ones under the good ones. (laughs) I remember asking him why he kept the bad ones instead of throwing them out. He said it made for great sauce. But I now know he was boosting his profits. Keep in mind, $300 for a day's work back in the 60s was not too shabby. This was my first time selling anything, and I loved it. Grant you, I did not know much about the value of the money, or Italian language for that matter. I mean, I was only five after all. In 1968, my parents divorced, and I was sent to live with the nuns. Back then, the church was heavily involved in family affairs. 
It was a period of my life that was difficult for me. I rarely saw my parents, but even though the schooling was rigid, the activities were great, so I took it in stride. I learned about discipline, self-reliance, and the love of Christ. A few years later, I left the convent to live with my grandparents for a while. They were appointed as guardians by the court. What a relief it was to live with my family again. In 1972, my father had remarried and wanted his children back, and by that time, he had given up on his entrepreneurial dreams and started working in construction. The court would approve of him only if he had a stable job. He was making a decent living, but there were six months to feed at home. I remember him getting his paycheck every Friday, and my stepmother was pleading with him to bring the money home. True to his independent nature, he would stop by the corner bar first. My dad was a very likable guy, charismatic, a social butterfly, and he would pay many rounds of beers to all his friends, and my gosh, did he have a lot of friends. He would come home around midnight, often with a hole in his pockets. By now, I was a teenager, and I wanted to fit in like most teenagers, I guess. I was very self-conscious. I mean, while most girls were wearing nice jeans and the latest sneakers in school, I was wearing hand-me-downs all through my year of high school. I'm not telling you this for sympathy or pity, but the fact is, I always stood out. I was different than the other girls and always feeling less than. This became my motivation for making something out of my life. I remember excelling in school academics and athletics. I even made it to the 76 Olympics. What are the chances? When I told my dad I would be part of the Olympics, he objected. He did not want me to go. He was scared because there were rumors that the stadium would be bombed. You see, he was part of the crew working on the stadium. Finally, he gave in and I made it to the Olympics. The day of my performance, I was mentally prepared. I knew my routine inside and out. I was ready. I mean, I had practiced my routine for almost a year. What I was not prepared for was being in front of such a big crowd. When came time for my dance performance, it started well, but I remember at one point my right foot cut the ridge of the running track and I fell. I was in excruciating pain. I had either twisted or broken my ankle. I had the choice of staying down and feel like a failure for the rest of my life or get up and keep on going. The choice was clear. Keep going. Plus, I was the first girl in front leading my high school group. There is no way I would make my group look bad. That incident taught me that sometimes in life you encounter challenges and how you react to them makes all the difference. That day, I turned what seemed initially like a failure, even for a split second, into an act of picking myself up and managed to finish the performance. Turns out my ankle was not broken. But to this day, I can't move my right ankle like my left one. Gift from the Olympics. Fast forward to my professional life. While I had doubts about which field to go into, I always knew I would be in sales. It would be my ticket out of poverty. My first couple jobs were with Fortune 500 companies. I started with Rico in the 80s selling fax machine to businesses. Being a top producer, I became known as the fax machine queen. I later worked for Mita to sell their line of copiers. At the top of my game, I then went to sell Xerox duplicators. The commissions were much bigger since the system were more sophisticated, more expensive. Xerox was one of the most sought-after company at the time. Telling people I worked for Xerox was kind of like being in some secret society or the big boys club. Most sales reps were men back then. While the status and the money were great, Something always seemed to be missing. 
I remember dreading turning in my report to the sales director. We had to turn in weekly, monthly, and quarterly reports, exposing all the cold calls we did, along with our sales figures and analysis of our closing ratio numbers. Pepper pushing literally made me sick. It took hours to compile. I knew my commission number, and that's the only number I really cared about. Now, the 80s and the 90s were great. I worked hard, always staying sharp as a top producer. I was doing quite well financially. I mean, I had a beautiful house, two cars, great clothes, but I was becoming restless. I could not pinpoint the reasons why I was feeling dull inside. I knew something had to change. One day, something shook me to my very core. After marrying the man of my dreams, or so I thought, I lost both my younger brother and grandfather. I was devastated. Out of nowhere came the inspiration to seek new pastures and new opportunities. Maybe to run from all the sadness and the painful memories. And that's when I decided to move to Florida. I always loved Florida. I had visited my cousin years ago at his wedding. He was living in Daytona Beach at the time. So on a whim, I went to check things out. I secured a job with Xerox, found an apartment which was paid by the company, including a hefty car allowance and expense account. I was over the moon. The only hick was my son was still young at the time, and my then-husband was not so keen on moving to the U.S., so I put the idea on the back burner for a while. In 1992, I went to a psychic about what my future hold, and I had told her about my plans to move to Florida. When I asked her if moving was in the cart, she says, yes, you're moving, darling, but not to Florida. She says, you're moving to Wayne Gretzky's land. I said, California? No way. I mean, I knew no one there. Funny thing is later that year, I met someone from LA. Turned out the day I was moving, the gentleman in question, which I will name as Butch here, told me he had met another girl. Are you freaking kidding me? I said to myself, I'm not going to let that dune change my plans. So I reached out to a friend of mine from Montreal who I knew was living and working in LA, and he set me up with a girl who was looking for a roommate. This was done over the phone prior to me leaving. She was a soap opera actress and living in a prestige neighborhood. The apartment was very nice, but that girl, she turned out to be a real nightmare. Long story short, I quickly moved out of there and later moved to a dreamy apartment where I could see celebrities on the daily. I continued working with Xerox, this time in LA, selling high-end office systems to production companies, doctors, and lawyers. My territory was the famous Wilshire Corridor, also known as the Millionaire's Mile. I was making awesome money. I was on cloud nine. At times, my friends would ask me, why don't you become an actress? Come with me to dinner. I'm dining with so-and-so. He might be interested in giving you a part in his movie. But I was no stranger to what was going on in the film industry, and I wanted no part of it. I had seen something similar in the beauty pageant world. I made great connections in LA, from athletes to socialites and celebrities. I would dine and dance in the best places LA had to offer. I was a regular at the Roxbury, the Gate, the Beverly Hills Hotel, just to name a few. But after a while, that kind of lifestyle had lost its appeal. LA people were superficial, soulless. Funny how they call Los Angeles the city of angels. Anyways, I'm going off on a tangent here. In 96, I decided to move again, this time to Florida, for real. I was finally where I wanted to be. I continued working for Xerox for a little while, but finally decided to break up with the multinational. 
I wanted an adventure. I knew I wanted to make a ton of money. So what better way than to become an investment broker? So I studied and got my license. I worked for a couple companies at first. I decided that once I had reached serious success, I would start my own firm. What was I thinking? Did I have what it takes to swim with the big sharks? You bet I did. My company went super profitable, super fast. But a lot of work went into building that business. You must remember that the investment world is mostly comprised of men. Not too many women at the top. Not at that time anyways. My only role model was a TV personality on CNBC, which I never even met. I watched her show religiously every morning. She was bold, confident, and beautiful. She looked like Sophia Loren. I thought if she can do it, I can do it too. Thank you for paving the way for other women, Maria Bertiramo. You had a major impact in my life and business. By that time, my dad was living the dream life with me in Miami. He was so happy. We had everything we wanted and more money than we knew what to do with. But the good times came to an end when dad had to go back to Montreal for his heart checkup. What was supposed to be a two-week stay turned out to be a permanent one and entered in my life what was to become my new husband. Now I had a new man in my life and I wanted a new business to go with it. So I went into real estate. Real estate always attracted me. I became a broker and one year later, I was opening my own real estate agency. I had a team of brokers under me, a prestigious office in Placeville Marie, sales were coming in on the regular, and life was great. In the midst of it all, my mother fell ill and came to live with me and my husband. She was given less than a year to live. I was her main caregiver and was tired all the time. I was also going through menopause. Since I don't believe in feeding my body any chemicals, I went through it cold turkey. I had many sleepless nights during those six months, but I was determined to give her the very best care. We would go shopping every day. Even though she couldn't walk at the end, I would take her wheelchair and we would shop, go to lunch, all the while still taking calls from my clients. I remember crying often, scared at the thought of losing her. Then one day, the inevitable happened. She passed in the most horrible way. The hospital staff had restrained her to her bed for fear that she might hurt herself. She had developed a brain condition, a side effect of her liver disease and toxins build up. Seeing my mom like that sent me into pure shock. Such a strong woman, full of life, fiery like most Leos are. Reduced to that, I couldn't make sense of it. Mom died late in 2011. In 2012, while still grieving for the loss of my mother, I experienced my first panic attack while driving my car. I was on my way to see a property. This was intense. I thought I was having a heart attack. The attacks became more frequent to the point where I had developed fear of everything. Fear of driving, fear of walking my dogs, fear of going to the grocery store even. I was totally disconnected and I felt isolated. Life no longer made sense to me. I remember saying to God, come on. You took away my mom, and now one of the things I like the most, driving. I always had a fascination with car. That sense of freedom while on the road gave me joy. You have to understand, I spent half of my life on the road. This was a huge blow to my ego. I went through a long period of spirituality and self-discovery. I read many books, saw healing practitioners, learned healing modalities. I had developed PTSD. 
and I also was experiencing the dark night of the soul, which in turn brought me closer to the divine. I always believed in the divine. I knew I was a soul empath, even at a very young age, I knew. I had all the four clairs, clairaudience, clairvoyance, clairsentience, and claircognizance, and also the power to heal. I always knew that my life was meant for something much bigger than me, but I was still searching. What was my purpose? Still, I kept my real estate agency until 2018, but the passion was gone, so I decided to close shop. I'm a strong believer that in life everything happens for a reason. I knew deep inside I was a major crossroad. What was I to do now? I waited for a while for the answer. Then one day, while doing a quantum healing hypnosis session, my higher self said to remember my light. When the practitioner asked me what my purpose was, the answer was crystal clear. Help others. Help others remember their light. How, I ask? By starting a business. So I combined my love for business and spirituality into one container. That was it, the missing piece of the puzzle. To reinforce things, my son, who is an amazing salesman, decided to become a coach. What is the expression? The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree? I thought to myself, wow, what a great opportunity for me to reinvent myself and went on to learn everything there is to know about the online space. Coaching would allow me to make an impact in people's lives. I am now content with where I am today. I am no longer run by my ego. Service to others versus service to self. It all came full circle. Teaching women to remember their light and how to build a profitable business. All that is really required is determination, grit, and the hustle. I am no stranger to the hustle. I love the hustle. And I know that anything worth having is worth working for. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I came from humble beginnings and I wouldn't have it any other way. Anybody that tells you that building a successful business is easy is full of BS. I can assure you that if you want to build something of significance, you need to put in the work, plain and simple. Can you delegate some of the work? Sure. But it is crucial to learn all aspects of building a successful business at first. By the time you delegate, you will know if your people are doing a good job. With the right messaging, branding, marketing, and great offers, the sky's the limit. Dream big, diva. Remember that there is no glass ceiling in the world of female entrepreneurs. The universe is your playing field. Reach for the stars. Building a million-dollar business has never been more accessible. Thanks to the advent of social media, you can now accelerate your way to success. Remember to stay true to yourself. Stay true to your story. Tell the world, for it is the foundation to your uniqueness, to your brand. It is what makes you stand out from the crowd. In a sea of sameness, be unforgettable. Let your voice be heard, diva. Do not ever dim your light. Turn your passion into your purpose, make an impact in the world, and the universe will shower you with limitless riches. It is time for women to rise as a collective. It is time to get paid or through worth. It is time to be recognized as leaders that we are. I'd like to end this episode by wishing all of you a very happy new year. May 2022 bring you health, wealth, and happiness. Sending you lots of love and divine blessings. 
You can now find Million Dollar Diva at your favorite podcast provider and at mjlabelle.ca forward slash podcast forward slash Million Dollar Diva. MJ is a high performance business coach with over 30 years experience in the business world. She can help you start or scale your business to seven figures and beyond. For a list of her products and services, please visit her website at mjlabelle.ca. You can also schedule a chat at calendy.com forward slash the diva coach or call her directly at 1833-THE-DIVA. Be sure to join us on January 8th for MJ's next episode, Unleash Your Power, Build Your Empire, where she will share tips and strategies on how to build a million-dollar empire. Don't forget to join her Facebook community at milliondollardiva.club for exclusive events and promotions. Thank you for listening to Million Dollar Diva Money Show. Until next time, have a beautiful diva day.